Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. From the blackest corners of your mind, they call, pulling you deep into shadow, twisting your senses, keeping you from sleep. It's time to face your darkest fears. This is Tales to Terrify. Good evening, children of the night, and welcome to another flashback. The story I have for you this evening isn't from quite as far back in the archives as the last few episodes, coming to us from episode 270, which aired March 31st, 2017. It's a heartbreaking little tale about a girl moving from the big city into the countryside with her mother and pet cat. One thing I always kind of loved about this one was the name of the story and the cat. The title sets up a very different expectation for the story than what we get, and the fact the author never feels the need to explain or even acknowledge the strangeness of the name lends, for me at least, an instantly believable quality to the tale. Also, there's part of me that really connects with the young protagonist, Emily. Not personally, per se, but because she reminds me so much of my son. Like Emily's mother, I grew up, from how I remember it anyway, relatively carefree, running around outside, sowing mischief, and running amok with friends through the neighborhood, with little thought to my own safety or the threat of getting into trouble. 
but my son has always been so different. Constantly worried and concerned about the little things, and sometimes so hesitant to believe that everything's going to turn out just fine. And I can relate to Emily's mother, because it absolutely drives me crazy sometimes. Just want him to run and play and be worry-free. There's plenty of time for stress later in life. But, as we learn in this tale from Anna Taborska, sometimes worry can be a helpful protection mechanism. If, that is, it's not left to fester and take over. Children of the Night, listen with me to Anna Taborska's Bagpuss, originally appearing on episode 270, March 31st, 2017. The train journey was exhausting. The removal company was going to deliver most of their things, but even the basics that Emily's mother had insisted they take themselves filled three heavy suitcases, a hold-all, and several ungainly plastic bags. Miraculously, they had managed to load everything onto the train before it departed, but Emily couldn't stop worrying about how they would get it all off at the other end. She almost dozed off during the long ride, but a horrible dream about not being able to get all the luggage off on time, of her mother disappearing and the train leaving with Emily and Bagpuss still on it, and taking them to a dark, deserted place where she got separated from Bagpuss and didn't know how to get home, woke her up, sweating and headachy. What is it, dear? asked her mother in that tired, uninterested tone the tone that Emily feared and that had been in her mother's voice ever since Emily's father had walked out one day and never come back. Nothing, said Emily, relieved that the dream had been just a dream, that she was not lost and alone, that her mother and Bagpuss were still with her. She moved the cat carrier slightly and peered in through the bars at Bagpuss, who meowed, a plaintive, pathetic, frightened little noise. Cute in a kitten, perhaps, but strangely unnerving in a large, lazy eight-year-old tabby lap cat. Bagpuss had been emitting similar sounds ever since Emily and her mother had forced him into the blue cat carrier. He had struggled with all his might, wedging his paws against the plastic around the opening of the box and tensing up his entire body with strength extraordinary for a being a fraction of the size of the two humans trying to push him in. But as soon as the battle was lost and the bars of the cat carrier came down before his eyes, he started mewling in the tiny yet eerily penetrating way of an unwanted kitten destined for a stone-laden sack at the bottom of a lake. It's okay, Emily told him. I'm here. I won't let anything bad happen to you. Bagpuss had been with Emily since he was six weeks old, but he had been silent as a kitten and had only found his tongue at a later age, sparsely using a low, gruff meow to indicate that he was hungry or wanted to go outdoors. 
Mostly, he would lie on Emily's lap, purring loudly, and sometimes even snoring. So the eerie little squeaks and cries were something new and distressing to his 12-year-old mistress, as new and distressing as having to leave her city life and move to the countryside, away from her room, her house, her street, and everything that made her feel safe. New things, new places, new people had no appeal to her. They gave her a nasty, tight sensation in the pit of her stomach, a feeling like something really bad was about to happen, a feeling that had increased in frequency since her father had left. Now that they were on the train and heading for her new home, the feeling of impending doom was stronger than ever, and Emily was convinced that Bagpuss felt it too. How many more stations before we get there? Emily asked her mother. I don't know, dear. You have to ask someone, Mummy. Why? We have to get ready to get off the train before it reaches the station. Otherwise, we won't have time to get everything off. Of course we will. But we have to get ready before we get to the station, Mummy. Emily's agitation was starting to break through the protective barrier of the Valium and worry her mother. The child had always been timid and oversensitive, but lately she was stressing about everything. Emily's mother tried to remember being twelve. She had been brought up in the country and remembered her childhood as being full of sunny days, helping out on the farm, messing around with other children in the hay in the barn, unstressed and carefree. Worrying about global warming or the international economy never even occurred to anyone. Life just flowed one day at a time. Riding bicycles, running down to the river to fish, or remove socks and shoes and paddle. Sometimes getting her turned up trousers wet and muddy, and her mother telling her off for being dirty when she came home. Not like Emily, who had always worried about everything. And of course, her father leaving provided the perfect opportunity for Emily's anxiety to run wild. Perhaps life in the country would be good for Emily. Perhaps a new start in life was what they both needed. As they pulled into the village station, all their things were already by the train door, at Emily's insistence, of course, and Emily was firmly clutching Bagpuss's cat carrier to her chest. Mommy, I'll go first and put Bagpuss down, and then I'll help you get the suitcases down, but you'll have to pass them to me because I don't want to leave Bagpuss on his own on the platform because someone might steal him. Nobody's going to steal Bagpuss. Well, a dog might attack the cat carrier and Bagpuss might get hurt. Nothing's going to happen to Bagpuss, sighed Emily's mother. Yes, but you don't know that, Mummy. I have to stay on the platform with him to make sure he doesn't think we've abandoned him and get scared. <sighs> Very well, Emily. You stay on the platform with Bagpuss and I'll pass the bags down to you. The unloading went smoothly. Apart from Bagpuss's desperate mewling as his miniature prison got moved again, and the cat temporarily lost the ground under his feet, his whole world shaking and lurching until Emily placed the carrier down on the platform, on solid ground now, but still imprisoned and claustrophobic. There were no cabs at the station, but the station master phoned for one, and after a long wait, 
A man in his sixties arrived and somehow helped him load all their belongings into his battered old Ford. The man chatted away to Emily's mother and eyed her with an interest that made Emily nervous. The girl ignored the cab driver and concentrated her attentions on Bagpuss, who had fallen deathly quiet in his sweaty prison. It's a ten-minute drive, her mother had told her, and five minutes into the journey, the feeling of impending doom in Emily's stomach had grown to a level which made her want to clutch her abdomen. Instead, she hugged Bagpuss's cage tightly. The cat yelped, and Emily was certain that he was sharing her fear of what was to come. Five minutes later, and the three of them, Emily, Emily's mother, and Bagpuss in his plastic cage, were standing in front of their new home. Emily's mother had turned down the cab driver's repeated offer of helping them carry their bags into the house, but had taken the business card on the back of which he had jotted his home phone number and Emily finally understood the feeling in the pit of her stomach that she'd had since she was little, the feeling that crept over her in the middle of the day or in the dead of night, the feeling that grew as she tossed and turned in her bed, formless and indescribable until it took shape and found expression in her nightmares and anxiety dreams, those dreams of finding ourselves naked in front of others, of facing an examination paper without knowing the curriculum, of fleeing something unspeakable along corridors that get narrower and narrower until we can scarcely breathe. Emily trembled as she looked up at the old house and knew that the recurrent feelings of impending doom had all led to this, the brooding dark house whose eaves cast a shadow that somehow managed to reach her and make her shiver on this fine summer afternoon, a house whose dark corners would devour her and her mother and her cat. Even the roses climbing ramshackle up the walls of the house were the color of congealed blood, their scent suffocating, their thorns waiting to scar anyone who came close. But worse still, worse than the house with its bloody roses and windows gaping like cataract-covered eyes, was the untamed expanse of land behind the house, a wasteland of strange plants and scents, overrun with bushes and moss, grass and meadow flowers, and beyond the wilderness, a dark tree line looming ominously on the horizon. Emily felt faint. All she had ever known were the familiar streets of the city in which she had lived all her life, streets with names that made sense and instilled a feeling of security. First Avenue, Second Avenue, Third Avenue, streets which crisscross each other at reliable right angles forming orderly squares with houses and shops where they intersected. Even the parks were safe. The grass neatly mown, the trees arranged symmetrically, planted evenly apart, their branches trimmed regularly so they could not grow into monstrous limbs which reached for you and tried to drag you into a scratching, deadly embrace. Emily was horrified by the vast, uncontrolled expanse of land behind the old house, Grasses and sheaths of wild barley ready to impale anyone who ventured among them. Tangled roots and prickly branches ready to curl themselves around an ankle and bring its owner crashing into the spider-infested undergrowth. Bagpuss mewed wildly in his cat carrier. No longer a tiny, pitiful squeal, but a feral, desperate cry. 
and threw himself against the bars, rattling the plastic cage so hard that Emily feared it would overturn and harm her pet. She carried the box with the wailing, thrashing animal up to the house and, once her mother unlocked the door, inside. Emily made sure the front door was securely closed again, put down the cage, and opened it carefully. Bagpuss sprang out faster than Emily thought possible and headed straight for the front door, scratching at it feverishly. You'd better let him out, Emily's mother told her. I have to open the door in any case to bring our bags in. But, Mummy, he'll be fine. Okay, but I'll want to go with him. Don't you want to have a look around the house? Emily cast a fearful glance past her mother, at the murky hallway with doors leading off it and the winding staircase leading up into darkness. Maybe later, she told her mother, and turned her attention back to the frantically meowing and scratching cat. As soon as Emily opened the front door, Bagpuss bolted out like the proverbial bat out of hell and took off down the porch steps. Bagpuss, wait! The cat reached the bottom of the steps and paused, looking around, sniffing the air, droopy whiskers and fluffy tail twitching nervously. Bagpuss had never known a world such as this. His cruel imprisonment in the evil-smelling plastic cage was all but forgotten, as a universe of magnificent scents, sights, and sounds burst open all around him. It was as though he had sleepwalked through his life, and now, finally, he was wide awake, his nerves tingling with excitement and the blood singing in his veins. Bagpuss hardly noticed as Emily caught up with him and spoke to him softly. There you are, Bagpuss. Emily reached down and stroked the cat gently. Bagpuss became aware of his friend next to him and looked up at her, purring loudly. He could smell the lush scent of the roses clinging to the walls of the house behind him. He could smell other wildflowers and herbs. He could smell birds and mice and other small creatures in the bushes around him. But Bagpuss could smell something else, too an alluring, intoxicating scent, and it was calling him. The cat quivered from the tip of his pink nose to the tip of his black and gray tail, then set off at a trot. Bagpuss, wait! Emily ran after her pet, terrified of losing sight of him. She found him standing behind the house, gazing across the expansive meadow toward the woods on the horizon. Bagpuss's nose twitched as he took in that wonderful scent. It was the smell of the warm grass before him. It was the scent of open space, the scent of freedom. He took off across the field. No, Bagpuss, you're going too far. Emily followed her cat, trying not to fall as the branches of strange plants curled around her ankles, increasingly distressed as she kept losing sight of the cat in the tall grass. As Bagpuss bounded over the exotic landscape, the breeze ruffled his fur, and the sounds of birdsong and of small frightened creatures scurrying away through the grass caressed his ears. Even through all the new scents of herbs, flowers, and animals, Bagpuss noticed another, stronger smell. He slowed down, 
Years of dozing on Emily's sofa had taken their toll on his natural feline stamina, but continued to press ahead until the strange new scent was joined by a rushing, gurgling sound. As he navigated the last few meters of grass between him and the noisy thing ahead, Emily cried out behind him, Oh my God! No, Bagpuss, no! But Bagpuss had already burst out onto the riverbank and was staring down at the river. Narrow at this point, only a few meters across, silver and blue-gray, light dancing between the brown and dark green reflections of the trees that grew on its other side. As the cat stared in awe at the flowing water, the dancing light, he caught sight of movement made by something more solid. It was a fish. Bagpuss carefully made his way down to the water and contemplated sticking in a paw. Bagpuss, no! In the second that it took Bagpuss to glance back at Emily, the fish was gone. Then Emily was picking him up, enveloping him gently in her arms, her scent familiar and soporific. You mustn't go near the river. It's not safe. Bagpuss was disappointed to be leaving the riverbank, but he was tired now, and after an initial half-hearted squirm, he allowed himself to be carried back to the house. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. That night, it took Emily a long time to get to sleep. The latter part of the day had passed uneventfully, apart from unpacking their suitcases and bags. The men from the removal company were not due until the following morning, and Emily's mother had brought enough food to do the three of them for dinner and for breakfast the following morning. Emily had nervously explored the house and put away the few items of clothing that she had brought with her in the large old wardrobe of the room that her mother had chosen for her. The room was somber enough during the day, but at night, darkness lay thick in its nooks and crannies, and the tree outside sent restless shadows scuttling over Emily's window and scratched at the glass panes when the breeze stirred it. When the last light had faded from the sky, the darkness outside was profound, nothing like the polluted orange glow of city night. 
Emily pulled her blanket up to her chin and listened fearfully to the silence, broken only by Bagpuss snoring at the foot of her bed. But even the comforting sound of the sleeping cat did little to still Emily's racing heart. When she finally fell asleep, Emily dreamt of the frightening expanse of land leading down to the river behind the house and the verdant darkness of the woods beyond. She was trying to keep sight of Bagpuss among the long grass and meadow flowers. It was magic hour, and the field around Emily glowed in the eerie, beautiful alien light. The smell of the flowers and wild herbs was at its strongest, the sultry remains of the hot day enhancing the various scents, making them intoxicating, stifling. Bagpuss, wait! As Emily hurried in the direction where she had just seen the tip of Bagpuss's tail disappear, she became aware that she was not alone out here with her cat. She slowed down, looking around nervously, and shrieked as a flash of dry lightning lit up the field and she spotted eyes in the grass, all around, watching her. Emily started to panic, glancing this way and that into the grass, and the hundreds of cornflowers stared back at her, their piercing cornflower eyes unnaturally blue in the strange light, staring at Emily suspiciously, accusingly, as if they knew something about her that she didn't know herself. Emily trembled, then, seeing her cat leaping over a clump of dandelions some way ahead, she moved to head off after him, but stopped again as an ear-rending screech silenced the insects in the grass nearby. Emily looked around fearfully. The screech came again, and that was when she saw the poppy. The flower stared at Emily, then swayed from side to side on its stem, until it seemed to hemorrhage into a cockerel with a deep red plumage and a scarlet crest. As Emily watched, horrified, the thing continued to shake itself violently until its crest dripped blood, rending open its fear-poisoned beak and screaming at Emily until she turned and raced towards the river and the dark tree line beyond. As she ran, Emily noticed the single ears of wild barley growing here and there in the field, she tried to skirt around one, but skimmed it with her foot and stopped as the plant glistened with a golden hue. Emily stared as the plant bristled its husk angrily and, emitting a hollow rattling sound, ground itself into a golden hedgehog and ran from Emily, pricking the slender wild herbs that stood in its way. Emily clapped her hands to her temples and headed for the river, a terrible fear for Bagpuss rising within her. As soon as it had come, magic hour was over, and the last of the light bled from the sky. As Emily reached the bank of the river, she heard a loud splash, and she cried out, Bagpuss! Bagpuss! But there was no answer, no familiar meow, only a faint splash in the river some distance away. Emily stared into the inky depths of the river, and finally she saw Bagpuss, a little way off, his paws flailing helplessly as he tried to stay afloat. As Emily jumped into the cold river, an undercurrent suddenly caught Bagpuss and pulled him under the dark water. Emily screamed and threw herself in the direction of her beloved pet. For a moment, Bagpuss's head bobbed up above water, and Emily half swam, half ran towards him, but the current got a hold of Bagpuss and carried him away downstream. 
Tears streaming down her face, Emily swam after her cat. Darkness had set in fast, and Emily could hardly distinguish the black water from the blackness all around her. She could just make out Bagpuss ahead of her, tossed about by the current. With a huge effort, she finally reached him and pulled him out of the water, clutching him to her, and managed to get him to shore. Wet through, he was no longer big and fluffy, but small and vulnerable. She tried to warm his little body against her neck and shoulder, but he was stone cold and limp. Wake up, Bagpuss, wake up! she begged, but it was too late. Emily cried and cried and hugged Bagpuss's dead body until she woke up to find her pet very much alive, his nose pressed up against her face, eyeing her with a look of concern. Oh, Bagpuss, cried Emily, and squeezed the surprised cat until he yelped and removed himself to the armchair in the corner of the room. The next morning, Bagpuss woke Emily bright and early, demanding to be let out. Emily refused to open the front door and clapped her hands over her ears, ignoring the cat's urgent meowing. It wasn't until Emily's mother found a pool of cat pee by the front door that Emily was reprimanded and, after much debate and tear-shedding, Bagpuss was allowed to explore the boundlessness of the land behind the house once more. The men from the removal company arrived with the rest of the clothes, the furniture, kitchen utensils, Emily's prized collection of stones and pebbles, which Emily laid out according to size on the large windowsill in her bedroom, and the thing that Emily had been waiting for most, Bagpuss's cat litter. Emily hoped the Bagpuss would start relieving himself in the litter again and wouldn't need to leave the house, but her hopes were dashed as the cat spurned the litter entirely and spent all of the time that he was awake either outdoors or sitting by the front door begging to be let out. As time wore on, Emily found herself increasingly alone. Bagpuss no longer sat on her lap or played with the cloth mouse that she sometimes dragged around in front of him on a piece of string. He still slept in Emily's room, but he was coming home increasingly late and demanding to be let out increasingly early. During the day, Emily would try to follow Bagpuss, spending as much time outdoors among the heady-scented flowers and crawling insects as her mother would allow, trying to make sure that nothing happened to her cat. But when Emily's mother insisted on her doing chores or accompanying her to the village grocery store or doing some homework in preparation for the beginning of term in her new school once summer was over, Emily spent every moment worrying about Bagpuss. When her mother made her go to bed before Bagpuss came home, Emily would lie awake, her mind conjuring up blood-curdling images of her beloved pet drowning, being torn apart by foxes, being decapitated by local juvenile delinquents fancying themselves as Satanists, being bitten by a rabid batter, getting stuck in a rabbit hole and starving to death. In those dark, lonely hours, Emily imagined every horror possible. Except, the car was a brand new bottle green Land Rover driven by a 24-year-old banker. It was difficult to put the SUV through its paces in London, too many speed cameras, but the winding country lanes in this part of the world were just bliss. You could easily do the curves at 90 miles an hour, and the straight stretches of road, well, there was no limit, 
only the size of your balls. The mouse was small and gray and running for its life. Bagpuss could tell that it was tiring, and he fancied his chances. All the time he had spent roaming the wilderness behind the house and chasing any critter that was smaller than him had paid off. His portliness had been replaced by a firm layer of muscle, and his senses were no longer dulled by hours of snoozing in front of the TV. He had yet to actually catch something, but today was going to be the day. He'd nail the damn mouse, but he wouldn't eat it himself. He would carry it up to Emily's room and place it on her bed to show her how much he loved her. The mouse sprinted past the house, Bagpuss hot on its tail. Blind with fear, the mouse burst onto the main road that led to the village, and the cat leapt after it. The impact with the metal grill threw Bagpuss into the air, and he landed in the road, the Land Rover's shining silver alloy wheels directing the entire weight of the vehicle onto his small furry body. The SUV didn't even slow down. The mouse disappeared into the undergrowth on the far side of the road, and as dusk fell, a fox snatched up what was left of Bagpuss and carried it back to its hungry family. Emily waited for Bagpuss to come home. She polished her stones and pebbles over and over, hardly aware of what she was doing. At midnight, her mother caught her trying to sneak out of the house to look for her pet and sent her wailing up to bed. Emily spent most of the night peering out of her window into the darkness beyond and eventually cried herself to sleep as the dawn chorus started up outside her window. The days that followed were akin to a never-ending version of one of Emily's anxiety dreams. She spent every free moment of daytime wandering around the wilderness at the back of the house, calling Bagpuss's name. At night, the silence was unbearable. The tree outside her window scratched the glass like nails on a chalkboard, and the shadows in her room crowded around her menacingly. Ever since her father had left, Bagpuss had slept in Emily's room, his snoring making her giggle, but never keeping her awake for long. And, as with the time after her father left, Emily was in a permanent state of suspension, waiting rather than living, the anxious feeling in her stomach making her nauseous with dread. As Emily's anxiety grew, she developed a fear of being alone, especially at night. One night when a strong breeze animated the tree in a particularly alarming way, she turned up in her mother's room and asked if she could sleep with her. No, Emily's mother replied, her voice groggy with Valium-induced sleep. You're far too old for that. Emily returned to her own room and cried the night away. About midday, she was woken by the sound of the phone ringing. She went downstairs and peered into the kitchen, where she could see her mother speaking on the telephone, her face disconcertingly lively, not at all like the tired, resigned face that Emily had grown accustomed to. Emily asked her mother who had called. No one, her mother replied looking embarrassed and quickly changing the subject. That day, Emily didn't go out to look for Bagpuss, but followed her mother around the house, even offering to accompany her to the grocery store. For the next few days, Emily went everywhere with her mother, and now sat watching tensely as her mother relaxed 
reading a Mills and Boone novel after finishing the housework. Eventually, Emily's mother could stand her intent gaze no longer. Shouldn't you be out looking for Bagpuss, she asked. He's not coming back, Emily replied morosely. They never do. What's that supposed to mean? Nothing. Emily dropped her gaze to the floor. Well, why don't you call those nice girls we met at the grocery store the other day? I'm sure they'd love to play with you. I'd rather stay here with you. Well, you're going to need to find something to occupy yourself with by the weekend. I'm going out on Saturday. What? Emily looked like she'd been slapped in the face. I'm going out on Saturday. Don't look so shocked. I have a right to a life, you know. Where are you going? To a dance. Who with? Les. Who's Les? Emily was looking increasingly frightened. Les, the man who drove us here? The cab driver? He drives a cab to earn a living, but he's really a writer. Emily was trying hard to get a handle on what was happening. After a long pause, she asked, Can I come? No, Emily, you can't come. Fine, said Emily, and ran out of the room so that her mother wouldn't see the tears welling up in her eyes. Her mother was going to leave her. With the cab driver. First her father, then Bagpuss, and now her mother. Emily would die here, in this big, dark house, get sick and die all alone, and by the time they found her body, it would be mauled by rats and covered in spiders, and flies would have laid eggs in her, and she would be crawling with maggots. She had to stop her mother leaving. Emily put her coat on and headed out of the house. Where are you going? Her mother came out of the sitting room. I'm going to play with the kids we met at the grocery store. Oh. Her mother was surprised by this sudden U-turn. Then again, Emily was almost a teenager now, and her strange, unpredictable behavior was probably just a symptom of her age. It was getting late by the time Emily returned from the Internet Cafe, hiding a bunch of printouts behind her back as her mother questioned her about what she had been doing with the girls from the grocery store. Emily seemed calmer at dinner than she had been for a while, and her mother was pleased that her new friends were helping her to get over Bagpuss's disappearance. But Emily was more anxious than ever, and that night she had the nightmare again. She was stumbling after Bagpuss through the meadow at the back of the house, the sky lit up by dry lightning, and the flowers and weeds mutating painfully into grotesque animals and birds that pecked and snapped at her heels, screeching wildly. The sky grew darker, and as Emily reached the river, she heard a splash and threw herself into the inky water, crying out her pet's name. But as Emily reached the spot where her cat had gone under the water for the last time, as she dived down and grabbed him, it was not Bagpuss she pulled out of the murky depths. It was the pale-faced corpse of her mother. Emily screamed and woke herself up. She got out of bed and crept to her mother's room, standing silently for long minutes and listening to her mother's regular breathing as she slept. Emily was determined to go through with her plan, 
and she had to act fast as Saturday was only two days away. The poison was easy enough to buy, as many of the rural houses had problems with rats, and the local store stocked a variety of rodent-killing products. Emily's research provided her with all the information she needed to carry out her plan. The idea had first come to her when she remembered a murder mystery she had seen on television. A man had killed his wife over the period of a year by giving her small amounts of poison in her food. Too small to kill her immediately, but enough to make his wife progressively more sick until eventually she died. Of course, Emily did not want to kill her mother. Quite the opposite. She wanted her mother to stay with her forever. She would never give her mother enough poison to make her really sick, just enough to make her feel a little poorly. Emily would look after her mother and tend to her every need so that after a while, her mother would not even want to go out. She would come to rely on Emily, to appreciate her, and be grateful for her company. And she certainly would not want to leave with the cab driver. That evening, Emily's mother was in a strange mood. It would have been her 14th wedding anniversary if her husband hadn't left her. She couldn't, for the life of her, remember if she had taken her Valium or not. Emily was being neurotic again, following her around the house and trying to talk to her, but she was far too tired to cope with Emily's quirks today. Emily surprised her by making her a cup of hot chocolate. She took the mug, but decided to drink it in bed. Emily's mother placed the mug on her bedside table and went to the bathroom cabinet. Perhaps she hadn't taken her Valium after all. She took one out of the prescription bottle and, after a moment's consideration, she took out another. She took the pills through to her bedroom and, climbing into bed, washed them down with the hot chocolate. After a while, she started to feel sick. She doubled up in pain and reached out for the bedside table to steady herself, knocking off the lamp, which smashed on the floor. Emily heard the noise in her mother's room and rushed over. The sight that greeted her was more terrifying than any nightmare she had ever had. Her mother was thrashing around in the bed, blood and vomit all over her nightgown. Mommy! By the time the ambulance arrived, the suffering of Emily's mother was over. After pronouncing the woman dead, the paramedic looked around the house for the girl who had called in to say that her mother was very sick. Emily headed across the wilderness, her movements slowed by the stones and pebbles that were stretching the pockets of her coat. She barely noticed the nettles that stung her ankles and the thistles that scratched her arms. Her eyes were fixed on the tree line beyond the river, and she thought she could see the tip of Bagpuss's tail ahead of her in the darkness. As she reached the river bank, there was a splash, and the inky water closed over her head as she fell forward and allowed the stones in the current to pull her down. That was Anna Taborska's Bagpuss, as read by Summer Brooks. 
As always, to learn more about this story or to hear it in context of the full episode, it's a nice long one too, I've posted a link in the show notes. And until next time, children of the night, stay safe and stay sane.